When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm joined by John Fisher. Hello, John. Hello, Dan. John, bad things are bad. And before we get into the <laughs> specifics of why the Devils disappointed us this week and how we're yet again careening towards another lost season with little progress, uh, I just want to make a quick note to say that I still do appreciate the Devils for all that they are, knowing that a break in the season might be around the corner. I hope not. But we are seeing skyrockets in COVID cases in every major professional sports league in North America right now. So who knows what will happen with that. But I just want to say I appreciate the time we've had, even if it's been uh, a prototypical devil season of high hope at the beginning. And now we've reached the middle doldrums pre-Christmas where they start stringing together loss upon loss. And in the last month, the Devils have beaten exactly two NHL teams. Um, They have beaten the same team twice in that span and uh they do not have a lot of points to show for it so john it was another tough week for the devils yes it was now to be fair the last time we recorded it was just before one of those three wins out of their last 14 games uh as they were about to play the philadelphia flyers and that game went well it went really well Mm -hmm. it helped that the flyers have been at the time slumping as about as bad as the Devils, if not worse. Um, it was a performance where the Devils looked good. The Flyers looked bad. Actually, not bad, Dan. They looked sad. It was mm-hmm. a sad performance. The sort of performance where I was surrounded at the Rock by Flyers fans, and they were just, they were beside themselves. They, they just were like, they, were, they looked numb to the pain, so to speak, which is a feeling we all know all too well as Devils fans. But the Devils took advantage. We got to see a rare power play goal that was intentionally scored based on their 1-3-1 formation. A rare deflection goal by Dawson Mercer. Um, there was a goal taken off the board from Pavel Zaka because he put himself offside earlier on the shift. Mm-hmm. But the Devils got the 3-0 win. Jack Hughes set up Michael McLeod for his first goal of the season, an empty netter to seal the deal. 3-0. You're feeling okay. It comes off a shootout loss to Ottawa, which was disappointing. But hey, <laughs> points in your first two games in a four-week, uh, four-game week, that's not bad. And, and then, remember, we we went into this stretch saying this is a good opportunity for the Devils to bank some points a, they have. This was an important week. An important week for them to kind of prove their mettle, as you know, so to say, after a tough road trip against two pretty good teams. Uh, they had a, a nice stretch, and um, after those first two games, you're thinking, okay, there's still some opportunity here. And the next two games have um, 
have robbed them of that opportunity for very similar reasons. And I think, I, I don't know how much more I can possibly talk about this, but again, there's the power play being bad, and then there's the power play actively losing games for your team. Mm-hmm. And we got to see quite a bit of that in the, we got to see special teams come up bad in the following two games after the three, nothing went over the flyers. Um, it did not strike against Nashville per se, except in terms of absence in mm-hmm. that first period against Nashville, a home game against Nashville, uh, a potential opportunity to redeem yourselves from the last time the devils played Nashville, which was, you know, a pretty crummy performance to put it nicely. Mm-hmm. The devils got three power plays, Dan, three, three power plays. Dan, without looking it up at NHL.com, <laughs> how many shots on net do you think the Devils got in their three power plays in the first period? I mean, it's got to be like one. Unfortunately, Dan, you were close, but not quite. But Price is Right rule says you're good. So two? I guess here, two. Oh, two no. shots on net in three power plays. Six minutes of ice time of having an extra man on the ice. Two shots on that. The Devils did not give up a shorthanded shot in this game, which was a positive. But yet again, you need a good start against a team that's actually playing pretty well. Um, you wanted to redeem yourselves. It's an important week, as we just said. Going two shots in what was ultimately a six-shot first period. They held Nashville to three, so it was very much the definition of low-event hockey on ESPN+. Um but yeah, it was real bad, and it, and it garnered uh, guys like John Butchergross, who was calling the game, basically to just keep saying, "What are you doing standing there? Shoot it!" Uh, it's it's, it's, it's what are you doing the standing commentary. there? What are you yeah. doing standing there? Shoot it! But also, what are you doing standing there when you don't have the puck? There's yeah. so, there's no one move. There's nothing happening. There is I, no forward yeah. momentum towards the goal. Exactly. I have to. I have to almost sigh. And roll my eyes when they're the, the few, the precious few people that matter who continue to defend the devil's coaching staff, especially Mark Recchi, to say, oh, it's about execution. It's about effort. No, if guys are not moving and guys are stationary and, you know, the, the, the lack of lane is there and they're just forcing these seam passes across, which inevitably get picked off and cleared by the penalty kill. That's a system problem. Because what I just described is not something that just happened against Nashville. It happened against even Philadelphia, where they scored a power play goal. It happened against uh, Ottawa the the night prior. It happened in many of the games that we have talked about this season. It's a system problem. And the system failed to show up. The scoring did show up in that game in the second period. Pavel Zaka opened up the scoring, uh, finishing a sweet play that started with Nico Heischer taking a big, big check. Uh, apparently I'm told he's not good enough, Dan, but apparently he continues to do stuff that shows that he is. Yeah. Well, you know, but then you have to score more. You have to score more. You can only be the sole person responsible for scoring points on your team to contribute value to your hockey team. Everybody knows this, John. Yes. Everybody, everybody has to get involved and the devils definitely have a problem with depth as it were. But, uh, anyway, to your point, Dan, Roman Josie takes, ties it up. Eli Tolvanen converts a power play. It's now you're down 2-1. And, of course, what's worse than going down 2-1, Dan? Going down 3-1. And um, the Devils at least picked up the pace shot-wise in the third period. Um, They outshot the Predators ultimately 16-6 and boldly pulled uh, 
Mackenzie Blackwood for um, a very long six on five session, which did yield a goal from Yegor Sharangovich. Hughes mm-hmm. set him up and it was a lovely looking goal. And you start thinking, okay, there's a little more than a minute left. Maybe you can get something going. But of course, the Devils fell short. And once again, the Devils basically put themselves in a position to fail, as in because that second period, as I just described, Ozaka scored. Again, not only did Nashville score twice, Dan, they also gave up 18 shots to Nashville. So guess who had the puck all the time? Mm-hmm. Nashville. Yeah, yeah. It's so you know that's that's tragic in the sense that they lose to John Hines twice. Uh, they get swept by John Hines this year. Uh, they only got not only got swept, Dan, but outplayed. It wasn't close. Uh, no. He basically knew exactly how to dismantle them, which yep. feels bad, seeing that he can potentially coach well into a matchup, which is not something that we saw. So maybe. It is the devils that are the problem after all, or maybe mm. the assistant coaches that are still remaining from the time there. The and only common the bond coach. between, and perhaps the head coach. But um, if that was poetically inju- uh, unjust for the devils, rather, what happened next game was uh, you couldn't really have scripted it much more against the devils in terms of fate, in that not only did they uh, let the Islanders win their first ever game at their new arena after losing there, I don't know, eight times. Uh, and of course we talked about this in the last episode, wanting the Islanders to get that out of the way. So they weren't as motivated to do that against the devils, which they yep. did not do despite all odds, they were almost there and they still didn't get it accomplished. So yep. the devils were right for the taking there, but not only that ex captains, captains, Andy green got his first this season to tie the game and Zach Parisi got his first this season to give the Islanders a lead. But not only did Zach Parisi score a goal for the first time in an Islander uniform, he scored it, John on the man disadvantage. And speaking of captains, Dan, the devils did not have their captain because Nico Heischer and Ryan Graves were announced prior to the game to enter the COVID protocol. So enter Jesper Boakfist, Christian Yaros, in his first appearance since October 21st, and the mighty man of meat and nothing more, Mason Geertsen. <laughs> oh, boy, Dan. man of meat? <laughs> is that, well, he, well he's not testing, playing hockey. <laughs> are you just testing that one out? Is that what it's going to be? I just had to throw a bunch of M's together. Look, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Dan, okay. Where do I start with this game? I, I, okay, I let's just, start with the beginning. Let's start I just with the beginning. Stop. I wouldn't just start. No, I would no, just no, stop. no, 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 yeah. no. Okay. <laughs> First and foremost, the aforementioned Geertsen does a dumb thing. He headshots Noah Dobson. Mm-hmm. And then Zedno Chara decides, I'm going to go fight him. Bizarrely, a handful of the people who matter claimed that this was a good thing because Geertsen got Chara off the ice, despite the fact that. Um, Char is very slow and has bad stats. Yeah, Char, yeah, Char is like the worst defenseman on the Islanders this season. Mm. It's not really much of an improvement to take him out of the game for 17 minutes. Not to mention that Geertsen himself only played two minutes and 51 seconds total in this game. Remember that the Devils just played Nashville the night before? Mm-hmm. So by, ice, by dressing Geertsen, whether it was because he because Nathan Bastion was scratched for this game. And it's still unknown whether that was injury related or not. Nothing came out afterwards saying, oh, Bastion couldn't go or anything like that. So I'm led to believe it was a healthy scratch, which means in the second half of a back-to-back, Lindy Ruff decided I need to make sure I can only play 17 skaters in this game. Mm-hmm. And Jaros, 
also only played less than nine minutes of this game. So the Devils effectively played the majority of this game with five defensemen anyway, or 16 skaters in the second half of a back-to-back. Yeah, good. But anyway, the Devils did well at the start, and they struck first. Jesper Bratt finished a breakaway created by Jonas Siegenthaler, one nothing. The aforementioned Dobson did stay in the game, thankfully. Unthankfully, he scored a power play goal against the Devils. Mm -hmm. But the Devils responded because the big deal, Jack Hughes, wound up the slap shot, beat Ilya Sorokin, literally less than a minute after Dobson's goal. It's 2-1 going into the second period. So logic would say the Devils are in a good position. And then we got to see a lot of bad positioning. Bad positioning by the defense, bad positioning in the neutral zone, and some bad positioning by Akira Schmidt, who made his NHL debut in this game, as the Andy Green goal he gave up was um, an unscreened shot from from the sidewall, which is pro tip. That's never a good goal to allow. Guys who give up those goals don't stay in the NHL, just as a a sidebar. Mm. And then during the power play late in the third period, where you or sorry, second period, where you think, okay, Devils could break, break the tie here. Uh, they just lose their minds. And as you said, Parise uh, charged ahead and beat uh, Schmidt five hole. So he made Schmidt look like a jump, made the whole devil's power play unit look like jumps. And uh, the, the UBS arena was a rockin' at the sight of seeing the three, two lead and the potential hope that they could see their first win at home. And they secured that when Jean Gabriel Pajot uh, finished the drill from Oliver Wallstrom to make it four to two. The Devils tried their best to uh, once again go long with the six on five. Didn't make it happen. Sorokin was too good. The Devils were just not good enough. The Devils limp into a 4-2 loss and ultimately end the week, an important week, with just three points earned out of a potential eight, sitting in sixth place only because Philadelphia and the Islanders have been so, so bad in previous weeks that, you know, it's, it's going to have to take until this week before Philly can technically catch them. Yeah. And it gets it, worse, Dan. It gets worse. It gets worse because the, um, well, the COVID protocol has engulfed now the aforementioned Christian Jaros. Yep. Um, and it started, I think, with, uh, who started with Roland Melanson, right? Yes. Roland, Roland Melanson, the devil's goalie coach, also has been put into protocol. And today it was announced that Matt Barzell has been put into protocol as well. Uh, which that, means he's, there's he's probably, among... yeah, there's probably more coming. There's a lot of NHLers. I think I saw the the number of like 23 in the last 36 hours, or maybe those numbers were reversed um, in, in terms of NHLers hitting the COVID protocol list. It is getting a little, I would say more than a little uncomfortable in terms of not only the fact that so many people are still catching this and it seems to be, you know, hitting a spike again, but for the Olympics themselves, logistically, this feels like the the kibosh on the NHL going there. Well, nothing has been officially decided yet. However, they're going to have to make a decision really, really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, er- earlier last week, I believe it came out that China, the ever wonderful totalitarian nation of China, wonderful mm-hmm. is in quotes, by the way, um, announced that anybody who contracts COVID will have to be staying in China for a three to five week uh, period of quarantine. So, you know, there's a legitimate risk that God forbid you go to go to Beijing for the Olympics and you contract this virus, whatever variant it is. It's not just, hey, you go to the Olympics for two weeks or three weeks. It's, hey, you're hanging out in China for a month and a half Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be able to return to the country 
um, where you want to go for quite some time. And who knows by that time what the travel rules or restrictions will be at that point. Um, for, a, for an NHL player who has, you know, you know, yes, going to the Olympics may be important to them, but they got to get paid. <laughs> they they got to do their job per se. They may be needing a new contract. And already, you know, there's concern mounting among the players about whether or not it's even worth doing this. No, with that in mind, on top of the increase of COVID cases that's been reported over the last three days. Mm-hmm. Um, already, we already have a game postponed between Carolina and Minnesota because four more hurricanes entered the protocol. The hurricanes last played in Vancouver, I believe. So that part of this, it may be driven by the fact that, um, you know, you have the border concerns, as I said, with travel restrictions. But Calgary, right. Calgary also has games postponed. Uh, they still haven't announced makeup games for some of the Ottawa uh, and Islander games that were postponed earlier in November. Um, yeah, it's not looking good at this point. And truth be told, I'm not going to miss it. I couldn't tell you what even happened at the 2014 Olympics or the 2018 Olympics. I'll guess one of which had NHL involvement, one of which didn't. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm okay with the NHL players not being part of the CCP propaganda sports festival in February. That being said, I can understand the disappointment, but it's going to be a tough sled. And I got to think the union and the league are currently talking about whether or not they need to have a larger postponement since you already canceled a bunch of games, number of cases are rising. It's going to be a legitimate concern if the teams are going to have enough players to call up and enough roster space to call, call up players just to fill in the roster, so to speak. Well, I wonder what postponing now would even do to be completely honest with you, just because right now we're, if this can be attributed to the Thanksgiving break and the fact that everyone saw their families travel from all over the place, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we saw led to things last time. Uh, with the Christmas break coming up, I don't think that gets much better for people. I don't think that no. that's going to solve the league's problem. And I don't think it's really going to change just based on when the calendar turns. So either you have to change the protocols themselves. Something is obviously not working well enough that we are seeing all these breakthrough cases. And that might just be the nature of the disease. But at the end of the day, there, there have to be ways to control for it if they were able to control for it before without vaccines, if you want to get the games played, if you want to yeah. make sure you get the majority of the season in or some modified version of it done, there, there have to be some updates to the protocols here. And it's impractical to say, let's just bubble again. But no, that's not going to happen. It, the union for, yeah, will not let that happen. It, it's definitely not happening, but they have to find some way that, you know, this list is getting rampant and there's not enough time to call up players. Cancellations are going to happen constantly, which is just so disruptive and so much money lost every time. And not only that, but it's also a case of gamesmanship. Um, Not that that's as important, but if your team is hot right now, let's say your team is, I don't know, the New York Rangers, just to name a random team, our hated Mm -hmm. rivals. Mm -hmm. They've been doing well, Dan. Yep. Unfortunately for the world and, and life itself, they're doing well right now. Yep. You know, let's say there's a pause because of this. Well, they come back and they, they don't get off to a good start upon return. They start tumbling through the standings. All of a sudden, their season goes from, hey, we're thinking about a division title to please, can we possibly sneak into the playoffs? Like, that's the kind of thing that you also have to factor in a lot of this as well. In, in a way, I'm actually glad that the Devils were able to, I'm sorry, the NHL was able to find an early makeup game for Ottawa because mm-hmm. that Ranger, one of the Rangers games that was postponed was against the Islanders. They actually rescheduled that to March 17th, 
those teams could be completely different by that point. You know, it, you're, it's after the trade deadline. You don't know which, what both teams are going to be aiming for. I got to think the Islanders are probably not going to be a playoff team. I think their hole is too deep at the moment to uh, make a charge back up the standings. But, you know, if the, as I said, if the Rangers fall apart, then they're, they're going to sit there and go, whoa, hold on. If we had this game and we were supposed to have it, we could have won this game easily, poured some more misery on our hated rivals, and we'd be in a better position than we are now. So, I mean, those are the types of concerns. You know, it, it may not seem important, all things being equal, but those are the matters that the NHL and the union have to consider on top of schedules, arena availability, uh, travel restrictions between Canada and America and other, you know, health requirements. Since it seems like every two weeks or so, there seems to be a new decision on what you're supposed to say about the virus and what you're not supposed to say about the virus. So, but I will say this, Dan, this is what we do know. We do know that the NHL has a schedule for February. Mm -hmm. If they don't go to the Olympics, they actually have one planned out. I have a feeling the fact that that news came out uh, not that long ago, Dan, might be a sign that it may be coming. Yeah, I, I can't envision a scenario where they don't take those two weeks to do all these makeup games. Um, I, I don't know. It just it feels like everything's just going to be done under duress anyway. So we don't get the same. Even if they were to go to the Olympics, there's so much else to consider. It doesn't feel like it would have the same spirit as um, no. you know past Olympic hockey tournaments have had. No, but if you want your international hockey fix, um, I highly recommend getting hyped up for the Christmas tradition, Dan, of the World Junior Championships. Yay. Under 20 tournament. Uh, rosters are coming out more and more for every nation, which involves a handful of Devils prospects. Um, and since the Devils have been so poor, <laughs> I might as well talk briefly about those since that's not as poor, Dan. It's a success. <laughs> it feels good. Um this year's tournament is in Edmonton and Red Deer. This is where they were supposed to be last year, but COVID uh, made sure that wasn't going to happen. That being said, um, the teams, again, are starting to come together more and more. Uh, among rosters that have been announced, we know that the following New Jersey Devils prospects are absolutely going to be involved. Luke Hughes has been named to the U.S. Uh, team, which is a surprise nobody. He was a leader of that national team group. He was the top draft pick of that class of the national national team developmental program. So he's going to go to Canada for the junior championships. Best of luck to him mm -hmm. uh, representing for Russia as they announced their roster leading to the usual grousing about Russian politics, as if that should surprise anybody at this point, uh, Shakir Mukamadulin, He is still 19. He will go and be a leader on that blue line for uh, what appears to be a Ska St. Petersburg heavy lineup for the world junior Russian team. Also a team that doesn't have a right-handed shot on it outside of the goaltending position. So it's going to be an interesting team, at least to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see over for Sweden. The devils actually have allowed Alexander Holtz uh, to leave Utica and go play for Sweden. Sweden, when they announced the roster, Dan left a roster spot open in the hopes that the devils would uh, grant the loan. And the devils, I guess, figured, well, we're not going to call up Holtz anytime soon. There's no real harm with him going to represent his country one more time and, you know, puck out for, as it were, with uh, William Eklund and score a whole bunch of times. He should be a leader on that Swedish team as one of the older players on that roster. So congratulations to Holtz. And I understand from the devil's perspective, yeah, just let him go and score, you know, nothing wrong with that. He comes back feeling better, feeling rejuvenated uh, hockey wise. 
go back to Utica and continue to uh, shoot the shots and score the goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last guy that I've noticed that has made the team is the goaltender pick that most of us did not like last year, which was the only goaltender pick that the Devils took, the obscure Jacob Malik, mm-hmm. who has been having a stormer in the Czech Republic, a very fine season based on the numbers. He gets named to the roster for the Czech Republic under 20 team. Don't know if he's actually going to start. I don't know how the Czech team I don't, you know, organizes their three goaltenders, but it's a short tournament. So I expect Malik to at least get a little bit of action. And for a goaltender, especially, it's always an honor just to be named. Um, as far as I'm aware, Chase Stillman, he didn't get invited to Canada's camp, but Canada is such a stacked team, Dan, that they cut Hendricks LaPierre, a guy who we actually saw play against the Devils. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's how it, it's no shame not being named to Canada's under 20 team. That team is ridiculous. Yeah. And, so uh, with, with this also, uh, it feels like every goalie in the Devils organization who is not actively playing for New Jersey is having a great season. Yeah, I mean, Schmidt has been hot in Utica. Dawes has been hot in Utica. Um, Malik has been doing very well. I'm blanking on the other goaltender in the system. Oh, um, I don't know how Arizona State, Cole Brady is doing at Arizona State off the top of my head. How is mm-hmm. he doing, Dan? I, I don't know, but at least those three <laughs> that you already mentioned, they are having not just good years, they're having ridiculous years. Okay. Well, Cole Brady, I can tell you, is not having a ridiculous year, but our Arizona State's also not having a ridiculous year. So it kind of goes hand in hand. They're they're right. like nine and nine for the season. Nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, yeah, you, three out of four ain't bad. And again, it's good to see. Again, I wish Schmidt had a better debut. Again, those two goals he gave up in the second period of the Islanders were not good goals, but mm-hmm. uh, he is young. You know, no reason to write him off or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, he'll live and Just learn say, and Hopefully yeah. the Bernier issue is not a longer one because uh, just one one other thing I want to bring up real quick is that there was a bit of a conversation. I don't think it was entirely that serious, but uh, Anton Kudoma was put on waivers by the Dallas Stars. Yeah. I don't think that's in the cards at all uh, unless the Devils, and it seems that they do, they think this Bernier injury is pretty bad and it seems like it's yeah. a hip issue. And again, they sign a veteran goaltender to be the 1B to Blackwood's 1A. And if Blackwood can't handle 1A, then you go to your 1B, but your 1B is also not available. So what do you do next? Where does the help come from? Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, it's going to come from Dawson Schmid. Uh, mm-hmm. Kadobin has been really bad in recent seasons, and uh, he's got another contract on his year. So unless Bernier... You know, his injury is thought to be like he cannot finish his contract. Like that's the level of badness we need to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even consider it. And, and the Devils did it. He actually cleared waivers today. So, you know, I'm sure he could be made available in a trade. I'm sure Dallas would not mind dumping the man if, in a trade if need be. Um, but I don't think the Devils are going to pursue that one. You, and even if Bernier is really bad off, they may say, look, Schmidt and Dawes are doing the job in Utica. If, if, if their performances aren't worthy of, of extra time in the NHL, what would be worth it? That sort of thing. Because they also have a goaltender in Merrick Mightens uh, who is just hanging out in the ECHL and has done actually a decent enough job in the ECHL. He made mm-hmm. his AHL debut and had a very good uh, first appearance. So credit. Yeah, goaltender named Mittens. So there you go. Right. But the other surprise going back to the World Junior Championships, the only surprise – uh, from a devil's perspective in terms of roster was Samu Salminen not making Finland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a surprise because he was the captain of the under 18 team 
And, you know, that was a big reason why the Devils drafted him because he was a standout player for the under 18 team. And usually your under 18 team is going to feed into your under 20 team. But for whatever reason, Finland has decided not to bring him over and a bunch of other guys too. They're going fairly young with this roster with something like eight, you know, 2022 draft eligible players, including uh, Brad Lambert. Yes, Brad Lambert. He's finished. Just go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it was, a, I was more surprised to see Salmine not make it. And I don't know how much it is, is that a sign that maybe the Finnish people, the, the people in the Finnish setup weren't happy that he's hanging out in the uh, junior Finnish ranks to keep his college eligibility instead of going out and playing USHL hockey or going to maybe disregard his college commitment and playing pro hockey in Finland. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they just didn't think he was uh, playing as well as these other guys that they are taking. I, I, I don't know enough Finnish to know the situation, but that's why Salmine is not going. And between the other prospects, that's the only guy I kind of expected to be there. So. Yeah. So, you know, not too many surprise. I think the, the problem is with the devils also, I mean, it's not really a problem, but a lot of their prospects who, you know, were, were numerous in past tournaments have all kind of graduated to the NHL oh, yeah. at this point. So it's not a bad thing to have um, few prospects there fewer than usual, I'd say for the devils or, at least fewer than we've expected in the last few years. But the disappointing thing to me is that these players can all go to the world junior championship and then they get to, you know, all the talent in the world, they get to New Jersey and then suddenly the same collapses happen year after year. So I'm just going to kind of bring this to a close of, we got to talk about the coaching. We got to go about the coaching something has to change. It's Something's got to change. We're at the point where it, it's, there's no more excuses that can be made. This core has no. been intact for, um, you know, the key players have been intact for a while. And yeah, those seasons have been weird and they've been COVID stricken and the players are still young and all this, but there is not a moment this season still, even when they were winning games that felt like they could string together a bunch of wins in a row. There was not a moment where they're down in a game where it doesn't feel like it's completely out of reach. And even though they've come back more than a few times this season, it feels like those are almost accidents at times. And, you know, they, they earn it in moments, but when 60 minute efforts need to be consistent against teams that aren't just the Philadelphia Flyers. And, and not just any Philadelphia Flyers teams, but a slumping Philadelphia Flyers team. I, I regret to inform everybody they won two games after the Devils beat them. So their slump may be over, um, which is not good for the Devils tonight. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, um, you're absolutely right, Dan, that, you know, if we were having this conversation a month ago, we would say, well, one thing in the Devils' favor is that they, they, they will make an attempt to make a game of it. Mm-hmm. And in some of their games even though they ultimately lost in a shootout or they lost in overtime or they came close but didn't get it in regulation they made a spirited comeback attempt like Mm -hmm. you would watch that third period and go all right they're not saying die yet that's good that has not been the case over the last two weeks or so and even though there have been attempts like again against nashville and against the islanders they pulled the goalie for four over four minutes they didn't give up the goal nice they even got one against nashville but at no point did you sit there and think, okay, the Devils are going to turn it on and they're going to get something out of this game. They're going to get a result. They're going to at least drag a point that they didn't earn just to get something out of this game that they badly needed. No. And, and some of this is a byproduct of their slump. You know, teams in a slump, you know, they just don't get the break sometimes. That's mm-hmm. kind of why they're in a slump. But what's disturbing to me, Dan, is that 
as young as the Devils are, they have experienced players not only on the team, but more importantly, they have very experienced coaches. Like mm-hmm. Lindy Ruff has been a head coach for over 1,500 games, played over nearly 700 regular season games in the NHL himself. Mark Recchi has played over 1,600 games as a player. And, you know, he was an assistant coach with Pittsburgh and in Arizona over the last five years before coming to Newark. L.A. Nazardine didn't play much in the NHL, but he's an AHL, was an AHL guy. He was an assistant coach for a very long time and has been with the organization, the Devils organization since 2015. So you got, got coaches, at least, who should be able to say, all right, I've seen this story before. I've seen these games before. I've seen these shifts before. I've seen these moments. I should know how to reassure the players. I should mm-hmm. know how to sit them down and say, look, I know you didn't, this didn't go your way, but hey, don't worry about it. We'll get them next time. Here's what we're going to do instead. This is, a, this is a staff that I expect should be able to make adjustments when things aren't working, Dan. Yet, yet after the, after the Islanders game, he, you know, in the press conference, this is posted by the New Jersey Devils, you know, he gets a question from Amanda Stein about whether or not any players took advantage of the opportunities uh, created by Heacher and Graves being out of the lineup. And then he went in to say the following, and I'm quoting him here. This is mm-hmm. exact words from Lindy Ruff, head coach. <clears throat> I thought there was a lot of good in tonight's game. Sidebar, debatable. <laughs> Back to Ruff's quote. Uh, we had a lot of great opportunities to get them down. I thought one of the biggest turning points was that we had the breakaway to make it 3-1. We didn't score. They had a breakaway, you know. They scored. They make it 3-2. Sigh, you know, there were opportunities to put the nail. I thought our first power play did everything but score, but, you know, hit a post again, had a couple of really good looks. And then, you know, the way we defended the play in the neutral zone on the second power play hurt us. So what he's referring to is that in the second period, when the Devils were up to 2-1, Andreas, Andreas Johnson had a breakaway. He didn't score. And then he, this breakaway he's referring to is Parisi's breakaway, which made the game 3-2. So first and foremost, Ruff completely ignored Andy Green's goal, which mm-hmm. I think is an important turning point since it tied up the game. Uh, second, why are you complaining? Why are you lamenting the power play defending in the neutral zone? The fact that your power play needs to work on its defense in the neutral zone is a problem because it's a power play (laughs) third and foremost. And this is my biggest problem here. This is indicative of what I'm calling a fragile mindset that has been developing in the, in, with the devils, with the Mm -hmm. players and now the coaches, you know, here's this experienced coach and at a note, you know, responding to a question about how you know, got, whether or not guys were taking advantage of additional ice time or additional shifts or whatever, he goes on to say, oh, one of the biggest ter- reasons why we lost was because John uh, Johnson didn't score on a breakaway and Parisi scored on his breakaway. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what that happened. Them's the it's, not that he, it, it, it's not that it's not that it's not that he's wrong, that those things didn't happen. But the problem is that he's basically pointing a finger at Johnson saying, well, if you scored your breakaway, we could have won this game as mm-hmm. if, you know, they could have scored on the power play after Parisi's goal, or they could have, created better opportunities in the third period, or maybe not giving up a bad goal to Andy Green in the second period. You know, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things he could have brought up instead of just highlighting Johnson's failure to score on a breakaway. By the way, breakaways as a rule of thumb score about 33% of the time. So most of the time you're not scoring on a breakaway. And they're scoring Uh, worse than that in shootouts anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. So ultimately, you know, I expect an experienced head coach to have just, could have just buttoned up that quote at the beginning saying, you know, I thought there was a lot of good in tonight's game. We had some opportunities to get them down. Power play could have been better, you know, and kept it general. But instead, he he basically points a finger at a player, highlights a, a failure elsewhere, you know, Parise scoring on his breakaway. So there's a finger ineffectively pointed at Schmidt or pointed at the power play. 
And this is not something you expect from an experienced head coach, in my opinion. You know, I expect better of, of a coaching bench with Ruff, Recky, and Nazardine on it. And if they're going out and saying this in public again, what do you think they're saying in private to the players? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard I to mean, say. It, it's just God, heaven forbid the Devils lose tonight, Dan, to the Flyers. Like yeah. who's who's who, what, what's Ruff going to blame this time? Oh, you know, this guy didn't finish a two on one. This guy you know, made a mistake. Like what, what is this? Are we getting now finger point? Is that where we're at now? We're at the I don't know, point portion of this nonsense. At the very <laughs> least, when it comes to like, there's a very specific and glaring issue with this. And there's a very specific party involved and responsible for this. So I don't understand why it has taken already so long to make a change because it has now been two years in this department of power play that has been abjectly dreadful and a big reason yep. that the devils are not more successful. In, in fact, a big reason why their players do not have better counting stats, mm-hmm. do not have better possession stats, even though you right. know, they're counted a little bit differently on the power play, but still the momentum swings against them seemingly every game. It's just, it, it's exhausting. And hopefully that changes sooner rather than later, even if they're successful in tonight's game, the night we're recording, this will probably be posted after that game but we'll talk about that on the next episode but even if they're successful tonight on their power play opportunities i just it's hard to care after seeing what i've seen already exactly because you know as much as some will say oh but ruff only had you know 80 something games or recce has only had 80 something games look as much as the players will talk about execution and and fans like you and me will can point out of well the coaches aren't playing the games no but the coaches are responsible for getting the players prepared coming up with the game plan and coming up with the systems that the players play. The fact that the devils are setting up in these one, three ones where no, you know, you don't see a lot of movement among the players. You see these forced passes across the scene where, yeah, if you hit them, you're in a great spot to shoot and maybe even score that. I mean, I get it. The problem is, is that that's a really difficult pass to make and you're forcing it, 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 it through traffic. And then if you're letting the point man, the back one of their one, three, one bomb away through traffic, yeah, once in a while, you'll get Dawson Mercer deflecting it, but more often than not, they're going to miss the net. They're going to get blocked out. They're going to get deflected away from the net. You know, you're more likely to fail than you are to succeed. And again, that's systemic because the coaches at the very least are allowing it to continue to happen instead of pulling somebody over and saying, hey, man, you can't just be bombing clappers from 60 feet away and hoping it's going to help us win because it's not. Mm-hmm. And, um, this, and again, as you said, Dan, this is now two seasons of this. All the excuses from last season are gone. You know, you've got practices. You've got a less condensed schedule. You're playing against more than just seven opponents. Um, you don't have COVID wrecking your team. Like, yes, I know Keisha, Jaros, and Graves have it right now. Knock on wood, nobody else does. But, um, you know, that's three guys, you know. You know, even before, you know, before I was told, you know, by some of the people who matter, who continue to defend Mark Recchi and Lindy Ruff and, claim everything is fine, except it's the player's fault. It's my fault. It's your fault. It's somebody else's fault. You know, Jack Hughes returns. That'll make it better. Well, Jack Hughes is back in and the system still sucks. I think it's the system, Dan. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Mark Recchi is still employed at this point is, is mind boggling. Uh, the sad thing is what's even worse is that there's not really a nice break in the schedule for your, you know, allowing a big change. Cause from here on out from tonight on out, Dan, mm-hmm. you know, the only three day break, the devils are going to get between now and um, goodness gracious, the end of January is going to be Christmas. Well, let's <laughs> you know, say every- scheduled three day break. I, I, I anticipate yeah. that there will be some cancellations here. Yeah. But, but, but again, yes. 
Um, but yeah, this, this coming up schedule, you know, by the next time we record, the devils will likely have, they obviously will play Philadelphia tonight. They'll play Las Vegas, presumably on Thursday at home. They go to Detroit where Detroit's a really good home team, Dan, this Detroit mm-hmm. Red Wings team has figured out, uh, their systems are working well for them. At least, uh, mm-hmm. they're doing well. They get to host Pittsburgh on the 19th. They get to go back to Pittsburgh on the 21st. Then they host Montreal on the 23rd. And then you're at Christmas. So that's, you know, a lot of games in a short amount of time. So even if the Devils do what we want to fire Recky out of a cannon at this point, uh, you know, it's going to take some time for a new new person to come in and a new person to take over and a new system to prevent come up with a game plan for players to buy in and start running effectively. So this is a long way of saying, Dan, that I agree that there's got to be some changes that are absolutely warranted. And it's shocking that they haven't made any adjustments despite the experience involved, but it's not going to be a short-term fix. It's going to be one of those things that you're going to have to allow a little time to develop a new solution. But I agree. There needs to be some solutions because there's a problem right now currently not being solved in New Jersey. And as we and they look for solutions, we'll be back with you on the next edition of our show here. Um, John, anything else you want to uh, mention for this episode? The only other thing I want to mention is that I continue to appreciate all the people who continue to listen to us. Um, that's one of the big things why we're I'm so down about this current situation with the Devils is that I know all too well how this story goes from a site manager perspective and as a fan perspective. You're mad and then you stop caring. And I think of more and more fans, more of the people who matter as the games go on and as long as the slump continues, the power play woes continue, the lack of six, the lack, the lack of visible improvement over last season's team continues, people are going to start tuning out. And that's bad for us. That's bad for the site. That's bad for people, the people who matter, who like to have other people who matter around them because mm-hmm. more and more people are just going to check out. So I, I want to say one, I appreciate the people who have stuck around despite the losing, despite the failures, despite the setbacks with the, with the team. And um, I hope, you know, if it was up to us, we would have fixed this. You know, I'd like to think that we, yeah, I know I'm not a hockey coach. I'm not a former player. I don't have rings on my fingers anymore. Um, Not even a wedding ring. So, you know, we would totally make this better if we could, but we can't. All we can do is just react and opine on it. So just keep that in mind as we discuss this in the future. But um, please stick around. (laughs) We'll try our best to keep it entertaining. (laughs) We'll try if needed. If there is a pause or anything like that, we already have things we can do in that That's time. Right. We're, we're very experienced with that. So we'll do our best to, to keep the information flowing. All right. As John said, thank you again for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode and hopefully the devils can figure out some of these issues as we continue with the NHL season in the weeks ahead. Talk to you soon and let's go devils. Go Devils!